98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's ultimate sports fan destination. I was hoping you wouldn't get back in time, but you did. It's uh I'm it's, ready to wolf it down. <laughs> it's uh it's time for Wolfen Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Here is Aaron Maloney. So ASU football news, guys. ASU has named transfer Emory Jones as their starting quarterback. All right, let's go. Okay, I like this. this. I I I really do. I think you could see it coming a mile away, even though they really did hype up the quarterback battle in camp, of course. But this is a guy that has got all sorts of experience at Florida. Yeah, the University of Florida, okay? This is a guy that has got experience. He has played games. He has started games, of course. He's a dual-threat guy. Yeah, you know what? I love this. This makes perfect sense. Emory Jones. He was on the very, very early preseason Heisman list going into last year. Now, he didn't play like a Heisman candidate last year, but like January of the year before, right, when the 2020 season ended, they had him on that list. So he, uh, he came into last season with a lot of hype. You know, just because you're not amazing at Florida against SEC competition, Wolf, doesn't mean, A, you can't get better, and B, that you can't still be very effective for ASU right now. This, If you if you are holding out hope that ASU has a surprisingly good season, it starts with Emory Jones. So, Wolf, someone asked Cliff Kingsbury today about some of the different things they're going to do this year. In particular... Under center, in the shotgun, all that fun stuff, right? Oh, no. Were you there? And Cliff said his opinion hasn't changed on shotgun and thinks they can do most of what they want out of it. Yeah, I haven't changed. Yeah, I think it's um, a a mix of both, but, you know, I'll always be predominantly shotgun if I'm calling plays. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, there you go, right there. You know what? Let me get my headset. Yeah, but listen, um, that's still okay. I was hoping you were going to be... No, no. How many times have I said this? It's not like you've got to put... Kyler Murray under center, 25 snaps a game. You don't have to do that. What you have to do to me is 10, 12, maybe get kooky one game and put him 15 times under center. The reason being is because you've got to be capable of doing whatever it is you need to do to beat any team in the league. And sometimes that means you've got to put your quarterback under center. That's why I'd like to see it. You've got to be capable of doing both. He's always going to be a shotgun guy. Always. That much we knew. I really. Well, why I'm, not I'm, blend it? I'm, I'm with Maloney. I wanted I'm to shocked. see you like break the. I was waiting. Why? I was waiting for you to slam the headphones down and be like, "This is it. I'm done." No. What? <laughs> I mean, the amount of no. times during camp you were like, "Oh." He's under center. Yeah. Oh, he's under center. Right. Hey, Gree, how many times was Kyler under center in this game? Oh, my goodness. You're t- that I, was we, last year. Maloney, we get it. <laughs> I mean, soon You're we're going to be running like 20 it. personnel. Oh, man. <laughs> There's such thing. Listen, put it, yes, put him under center. Just go ahead and do that. Put him under center. Expand that part of the offense. That's blending the old and the new. It is. Don't do it twice a game. 
Do it 12 times. Uh, so what, what I heard was uh, three offensive linemen and seven receivers and a quarterback. That's what I heard. Sounds like Wolf just wants Kyler and Shotgun. Yeah, it's that's, not going to lie. Maybe he's been oh pushing this goodness. for this all offseason. So the Cardinals are gearing up to travel to Tennessee next week for joint practices against the Titans. Here's Kyler Murray. I've never done it, um, but I assume I, you know, I've watched you know hard knocks and stuff like that. I assume um, you know guys get chippy and stuff. I'm sure it's you know physical or depends you know how people feel. I don't know, so I'm, I'm just I'm going into it ready to compete and you know treating it like treating it like a game. Pick two guys. <laughs> Pick two guys. Well, I'm sorry. Derrick Henry against who? Who's going to go after Derrick oh, Henry? Uh, Will Hernandez. <laughs> well, that won't Derrick be possible, Henry. but Will Hernandez would be my pick. He has a little think... bit of an ankle injury right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think, listen, I don't think there's going to be any brawls with Derrick Henry. I think they're going to leave Derrick Henry alone. That would not be the first guy I would fight. <laughs> there's other guys. Who's the first one you would fight? Yeah, Tannehill. I, just... I could take Tannehill. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> not messing with Derrick Henry, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't walk in. Okay, forget about that. Uh, can I just say right now, though, Will Hernandez. Okay, he's got a bit of an ankle. Is that what you said? Will Hernandez has Correct. a bit of an ankle right there. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see how many reps he may or may not this get. This is Cliff Kingsbury from Ooh. today. Yeah, he's a uh, little bit of an ankle, but it shouldn't be much. Oh, okay. So what? Shouldn't be much of a problem or shouldn't be much reps he's going to get against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night? You know who I think is going to rumble? If somebody does, it's going to be Sean Harlow. Okay. I'm already, gonna, we've already seen him. Okay, willing you're going to gonna go down. with Sean Harlow. I'm gonna, uh, if Will Hernandez is practicing, he's gonna, he's definitely he's going to go at it at some point in time. You're talking about against Tennessee, right? Yeah. You're talking about in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Will Hernandez is that's a one. You're going to start there. Do you know what? I'll throw in a surprise name for you. Don't say Kyler Murray. Victor Demukeji. Yeah, yeah. Victor Demukeji. What are you becoming, Victor? You savage. I think we buried the lead there that Kyler said he watches hard knocks. I think that really. I saw you itself, grinning over yeah. there when he when he said that. that. The validation I needed you today. Love that. You yes. know what? I've got to start. I got to get in the habit, man. I got to watch it. You guys got to tip me off on that Wednesday nights, correct? Tuesday. Did you watch this week? I, I did. Even know what yeah. day I it did. Is. did really? Yeah. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, just rattling off the what was the sixteen receivers oh. that were drafted in front of and him in order in their colleges. It rem- reminded me of three mistakes in Josh Rosen. Yeah. Oh, but man. what I will say, Amon Ross, St. Brown, he catches two. 202 balls every day before practice. Yeah, with the jugs machine. 202, huh? Yeah. Spoiler alert. There was a reason, right? Because like 200, somebody is, I don't, I don't want to butcher the story, but it was his dad like pointed out somebody that was catching 200. Yes. So they were like, you're going to do more than him. Back yeah. when he was like a kid, so he okay. does 202. But oh, yeah. that's good. So they asked him about where he got drafted, and he, without looking at anything, rattled off all 16 receivers that went before him in the draft and their colleges. So hopefully, uh, when you watch him play, you're not saying you better start catching 203. Well, it's a little bit, he, was, he was good last year, so he gets he gets a pass. The NFL and the NFL Players Association reached a settlement in the Deshaun Watson disciplinary matter, agreeing that Cleveland Browns quarterback will serve an 11-game suspension after he was accused by more than two dozen women of sexual misconduct during massage, massage sessions. Watson will also pay a fine of $5 million that will go to charity. They get it right this time. You know, I, I don't know that there's a number that was going to make everybody feel 
good, right? I mean, there's not any number you can be like, well, he got suspended this much, so that makes up for everything. Uh, it just six didn't feel right. I don't know. It's not like 11 is suddenly like, oh, everything's fixed. But 11 at least seems more reasonable. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. I thought it was going to be a double-digit suspension the whole time. The, the only thing I am surprised, and again, this is just, I'm a little surprised, the fact that, yeah, they gave him an 11-game suspension, an odd number of games, when typically it's an even number, and 10 or 12, somewhere in there, seems about right, so I understand the 11, but where his first game back is going to be against the Houston Texans, it, it, it I'm surprised the league didn't say, you know what, that's kind of PR we don't need right there. So I am a little surprised that they went through with that 11 games because it almost looks like it's trivializing mm-hmm. that you rigged it, the suspension and the length of the suspension For the drama so that of the he magic. could actually come back and start it against the Texans. Yeah, if you give him 12, I'm surprised somebody you, didn't stand up and say, hey guys, I think you know we ought to go 10 or 12, you, somewhere in there. 12, he just comes back against Cincinnati the following week and it's still a story, but it's not that story that you're talking about. The College Football Playoffs Board of Managers met Monday and according to reports, the Board of Managers discussed the possibility of restructuring how college football is governed with the idea that major college football being governed outside of the NCAA. The most logical place, per the report, would be under the college football playoff. What do you guys think about this? Well, I'm sure the NCAA will find out about this in 17 years when they finish their investigation on ASU, so they probably can't be bothered with this news anyway. This is this is huge, man. It's the first known discussion among a group that would actually have the power to make it happen. The college football playoff committee and the powers that be in college football, they're going to split away from the NCAA at some point in time. I mean, this is going to happen. There's no doubt about that. Leaving the NCAA would actually allow the the sport to have the kind of autonomy, I think. And the rules making and not being tied in decision making to smaller budgeted schools. That's huge. They don't want these small schools dragging them down. Because of that, they're going to split away. This is going to happen here. Your two super conferences coming to a nation near you quickly, like in the next four, maybe five years. Uh, We'll get back into that in a little bit uh, as well. That was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we come back, Trey McBride is going to play on Sunday, it sounds like. Is he immediately the guy to watch on the Cardinals in preseason game number two? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports team. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Let's talk a little Cardinals offense here, Wolf. I'm going to start with um, congratulations to Julian Zacherts. Cardinals tweeted this out today. They uh, just had a son named Madden. Madden Ertz. Wow, really? I did not know they were going to name him 
Madden, yeah. did you? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying, maybe they told people. Maybe this was out. No. Well, uh, well, maybe they did, but they didn't tell me. Yeah, you know, man, I'm not big into the personal lives well, of people. Okay, but that that is then that is a, a, a great story. Did you hear Cliff Kingsbury's line about it? No. He said, uh, he said he, this is Derb tweeted this out, said he texted Zach Ertz to congratulate him on his new baby. This is Cliff's quote. That kid's got a starting, uh, that kid has a standing. Yeah, I text him. Yep. There, I we have it. That we kid just has a standing it. scholarship, whatever, NAIA school I'm coaching at in 18 years. <laughs> it's better when Cliff said it. Yeah, I text him. Yep, I said, that kid has a standing scholarship, whatever, NAIA school I'm coaching at in 18 years. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That was awesome right there. That is great. Some of the tweets that were out there. Did you see? I forget what it was. Who tweeted out the look on Cliff's face as he was sitting there in front of this desk? Did you happen to know? That was from Hard Knocks. That was from Hard Knocks right there? The look on his face. I absolutely love it. It's two weeks in a row. It's it's, it's a Lions show right now, but then at the end, they obviously do the ad for, uh, for Hard Knocks in season. The first week it was just it was DeAndre Hopkins balancing in an empty hallway, no explanation. Yes, and then last week it was just Cliff looking like he was like checking his fantasy team and he wasn't happy with it. I'm telling you right now, he had the melancholy look on his face right before you'd throw in a bar on a Saturday night. I told him we need some CGI going on. <laughs> Looked like I was in prison. <laughs> I just seriously, the look on Cliff's face, I loved it. You ready to go, Cliffy? You ready to go? Wow. Okay. Um, I, you totally sidetracked. No, that's, part of the that, that's actually where I was taking it. But uh, but speaking of being ready to go, Trey McBride, according to Cliff, is. He's going to play. And he said, well, that's, that's the, uh, we need to put that with. Give it to me again, okay, Cliffy. Hold on, it's real quick here. He's going to play. Right. Okay, there we, we need, go. We need to put that with the Kyle clip of I'm not playing and just we can mix those up of I'm not playing he's gonna play okay. just keep running those he's back gonna and play forth not yeah. play. Uh, Trey McBride how he looked today made a couple nice catches yeah uh, he's got to get back in rhythm so unfortunate he's been in and out because of uh, those back spasms but when he gets a chance he usually makes the most of his opportunities uh, I think Zayvon Collins Wolf if you said okay who's the main guy you're watching on Sunday it's still got to be Zayvon but Trey McBride would be 1B um, I'm going to go Trey McBride, 1A. I'm sorry, no Zavin thing out there. It's Yeah, and I am. There's no doubt about it. My antenna's up on Zavin Collins, but this kid right here, man, um, he may not even get 10 reps, my brothers. He, he may not get 10 reps. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I think that would be a little bit high, maybe more in the six or seven reps, somewhere in there. But can I tell you right now, the more and more I hear and the more more and more I think about what I saw when he was able to go out there. The last time I was this high on a rookie, Tyron Matthew was roaming the cards Ooh, secondary. Really? Can I just tell you that? Wow. I, okay. I, you know the way I feel about rookies. You, yes. you know the way I feel. It's like, yeah, just settle down, everybody. Knock it off. Hey, Rook, why don't you go out and prove it? Prove it. Because this is a prove-it. It is a meritocracy in the National Football League. If ever there was a prove-it league, it was about you going out, putting the mouth guard in, and trying to drive another dude into the ground. Let's see if you can do it. And there's only one way. We're going to find out if you can do it. Prove it. 
it's it's what I love about it. The the entire everything about the paradigm says prove it. And yet, I look at Trey McBride based on what I saw. And again, the last time I felt this positive about a rookie, it was Tyron Matthew. Now, that doesn't mean that Trey McBride is going to turn into a great player. It doesn't mean that he's going to be a productive player even. But for me, that's my expectation right now because of how he combines his athletic ability with the toughness that I want to see out of a stud tight end, a true stud tight end like George Kittle, who can actually contribute to the running game just as much as he does the passing game. Man, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and you know the Cardinals, their struggles in the draft have been well documented, but they've hit on some good second round picks over the years, and uh, and Trey McBride certainly has the potential to be one of them. Here, I found the the uh, Kyler clip too. I'm not playing. And then you have Cliff. He's going to play. <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely something we can put together there of like, hey, are they going to play this week or not? We'll just run those two sound Luke is together. definitely yeah, that drop thing. You're all over I feel, it right I feel now. like I'm a producer again. Look, 6'4", man. 6'4", Trey McBride. 250 pounds. He's got a thick base. A thick base. He's got good speed. He, he's got good hands. And he's not afraid to ball out, man. He's not afraid. He's going to stick his face in harm's way. I, I, yeah, I'm going to be all over the eight or nine reps that Trey McBride gets. <laughs> well, they were excited about him, uh, you know, obviously at the draft, but even remember that first, I guess it was the second week of camp when he, the first day of camp he missed was originally treated like, hey, this is a rest because we, we, we know, we know this guy's going to be a player for us. We just want to make sure he's good to go, you know, rest, giving a rookie a rest. What was it? Six, seven days in the yeah. camp. Then he started to miss some days, so it kind of that got lost in the shuffle, and it was more, hey, we want to make sure he's ready for Cincinnati because we want to see what he can do in a game. We know what he looks like in practice already, which, again, that's saying something if you can already tell through a couple days of practice. But he doesn't get to play Friday, last Friday. He's going to play this Sunday. Yeah, it's him or Zavin. Those are the two guys I'm watching the most. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Uh, Zavin Collins, once again, he's got to go out and he's got to continue to um, get better. And I would say in the first preseason game, I'm not saying he got worse at all. I, I am saying that I didn't feel like he got better in that game. Yeah, I, You want to see Zavin Collins, especially when, they're, when he's not actually going against starting talent. You want to see him go out and be able to chuck people and get off blocks and, and make some plays. That's what you want to see, especially from a Mike linebacker. You want to see that. You want to see him good at the point of attack. You want to see him be able to run down plays from the backside. I mean, this guy's got all the talent you could possibly want. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the speed. Now it's time to put it all together and make plays. Or not. Zaven and the Ravens. That's what you want to see. You want to see Zaven be better than the Ravens on Did Sunday. You, what did you do? You sit around there. Oh, that's what you were thinking about at 3.30 in the morning. No, I was, I was thinking Zavin about as Ravens. you were talking about Trey McBride. Zaven and the Ravens. Hey, something oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to write this down. Well, I'm going to blow the basin away with Zaven and the Ravens. <laughs> Except I called it a valley in my mind. I like how that's your impression well, of you know what? what I sound like in my head. I know. If you want to continue to do that, that's fine, people of the sun. Call it a valley. You're incorrect. <laughs> But call it a valley. Totally. 
Um, the other thing to watch in this game is, aside from can you beat Baltimore, can you end the streak, Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, those are the other two. Those are the, the, we have named the four players I'm going to be watching most closely on Sunday. And I think most Cardinals fans are going to be watching that too. Because that's four guys that should play a significant yeah. role on your team this year. And right after you call it a valley, oh boy, scratch your go. butt. All right, just go ahead. Right after you call it a valley, scratch your butt, too. I've never seen a valley like that. <laughs> All right, text us your thoughts on that, I guess, to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, chance to become a champion of hope. It's a chance to bring just a little bit of joy to a child working hard to get well. The give week for Phoenix Children's continues next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The give for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. <laughs> 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, in the Arizona Sports app. give on the Wolf and Luke Show. Yes, it is the give for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Akchin Indian community. I want to remind you that you can become a champion of hope. $20 a month, a teddy bear will be donated to a patient in your name. You're going to receive a choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car wash, but Wolf, obviously the bigger deal is that those $20 or more if you can do it. Uh, those go a long way to helping out a lot of kids in need at one of the premier children's hospitals in the world. Yes. It just happens to be right here. Man, you know, honestly, it just you, you think of Phoenix Children's, man, and you're filled with hope. There's so many people that are faced with serious life and death situations and so many young kids and yet there is hope right here in Maricopa County, right right here in Phoenix, right here in the state of Arizona, all over the southwest. You're talking about one of the finest children's hospitals in the world. And it's right here in our backyard, man. Fills me with hope. 602-933-4567. Get ready because we need you. And I'm talking to you that's listening right now, wherever you may be, driving around. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're in the office. We need you to support the kids. We need you, and we need your help. Yeah, in uh, the U.S. News and World Report named Phoenix Children's to its list of best children's hospitals for the 12th consecutive year this year. It's the uh, the home to the only level one pediatric trauma, trauma center in Arizona. I mean, that's I could sit here. I got a binder of, of impressive facts about this facility I could read you, but the and, ultimate thing is the stories. And this is just also, too, I want to say this quickly. This is the best thing about it. No kid is ever turned away. That really might be children. the most important. Think about that, yeah. man. No kid is turned away because they can't pay. Uh, we've got a check presentation right now, courtesy of Arizona Central Credit Union. Hi, I'm Kelly Dominguez with Arizona Central Credit Union. And we are here this giveathon to donate $5,000 to Phoenix Children's Hospital. Our employees and organization have been supporting Phoenix Children's Hospital now for over 20 years. Our employees work hard year-round and raise these funds, and I'm so proud to have such a great team. Please call the phone bank and donate. We need to raise $2 million, you guys. Call in 602-933-4567. There it is. All right, $5,000. Thank you very much 
for that Arizona Central Credit Union. Really appreciate that. And man, we got to go. Let's go. Let's get the energy up on this, man. The beacon of hope that is Phoenix Children's. Yeah, that is huge. Thanks to uh, Arizona Central Credit Union there. And it's time, Wolf, for another story of hope presented by Madame Holmes. Phoenix Children's is one of the leading children's hospitals in the nation for kids who are fighting rare disorders. Kids like Henry. Henry was diagnosed at age four for an extremely rare autoimmune disorder that can affect the blood and various organs and tissues. This is Henry's story. Uh, well, Henry's in first grade. He is a independent kid, and he happens to have a rare blood disorder. He's actually got two rare blood disorders. Um, he has a genetic disorder that was discovered by PCH that's um, autoimmune. It can cause any type of autoimmune condition and we learn that obviously mom or dad could pass it down and or immediately we knew it was probably me because I've been continuously sick most of my life. And as you can see, I'm getting infused right now. just anything. He's high risk from uh, a plethora of different kind of cancers to um, any type of autoimmune. You know, just it can attack any part of his body. full crisis mode when his second diagnosis, the autoimmune blood disorder, happened. That was pretty terrifying. We were just hoping and praying that steroids would work, um, that it would turn his body around. So That was before he came to PCH. Yeah, and that was before PCH. So PCH has built treatments and given him care that has improved his quality of life and prevented him from getting sick. We asked when that happened, he got that second diagnosis, that second hospitalization, and even follow-up visits um, with his last doctors um, about additional testing, and they just said it was a fluke. Since he's been at PCH, he's not needed a transfusion, which has been a blessing because now we know the last time they looked for blood for him, they couldn't find blood that he was compatible with. So it's incredibly scary to think that if he would need blood, what would happen? But with the care of Phoenix Children's and what they've done and what they figured out as far as his, you know, the underlying condition that kind of was adding fuel to his original blood disorder and then his new autoimmune blood disorder, um, we've been able to keep everything kind of subdued um, enough uh, that he hasn't needed a blood transfusion in two and a half years now. Parents like us who were scared and afraid and confused as to what was going on, we now have answers and we now have treatment and take them to PCH. I am confident that they'll be able to help you find an answer and give your kid what's needed. Henry grew up for the first four years of his life not being able to do most things. Everything's an option now because of the treatment at PCH.
We talk about the story of Hope Wolf. That right there is uh, that's Exhibit A on what a donation can can help PCH do. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it, man. I've used this example in the past. I'll use it again right now. If you were driving down the road and you looked over to your right and you saw a child standing on the side of the road who needed help, would you stop the car? Would you pull over? Would you help? Yeah, you would. And yet we know Phoenix Children's its filled with kids who need help right now, like Henry, who's in first grade. Man, can we rally around Henry, who's in first grade, and give $20 a month? You hear the music right now? That means we've got a match going on. That means that $20, it becomes $40. $40 becomes $80. $80 becomes $160. dollars $60. $320. $640. I I'm rolling going. right now. Okay, 12 Just let's not get carried away. Right. Pick up the phone and call 602-933-45. Yeah, you pointed out that uh, the sound means we're in a match. Papa John's, Papa John's just had a check presentation last time we did this. Now they are going to match if you call in right now at 602-933-4567. And uh, also, if you want to text text GIVE to 620-620, you can do it that way as well. That sound means it's time for the Train Teddy Bear Express. You can become a champion of hope, $20 a month, and not only will a bear be delivered to your uh, in your name to a patient at Phoenix Children's on the Train Teddy Bear Express, you'll also receive your choice of a free kid's pass to the Wildlife Zoo or a free polish and shine wash from Cobblestone Auto Spa. All right, when we come back, the College Football Playoff Committee could bring even more change to the sport. We're going to explain that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, over to college football. Wolf, the uh, Sun Devils' first game is two weeks from today. Yes. First uh, first game, of course, NAU, and Emory Jones has been named the starter, the kid from Florida, of course. Uh, not really a huge shock by any stretch of the imagination. And you could say the same thing about college football and the direction of college football. Yeah, uh, that's it's good to bring up in case uh, you missed it earlier today. The, uh, the Sun Devils naming Emory Jones the starter for that game two weeks from today. Uh, also, West Virginia's first game is two weeks from today. Yeah. Against uh, ranked Pitt. Oh, of course. The backyard brawl comes back, baby. Backyard brawl. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for that. Uh, But also, when you talk about the ever-changing landscape of college football, we may have a new wrinkle to it. This is ESPN's Adam Rittenberg yesterday talking about a potential uh, college football playoff 
breaking away from the NCAA. Yeah, that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and then how it's going to be governed and who will be pulling the strings as far as making decisions. I think one of the problems with college athletics, it, sometimes it's a great thing, but oftentimes it's a, it's a problematic thing, is it's so tribal. And who can be trusted to oversee the sport? Because it, it's not working in its current governance structure. It, it, there's so much revenue that's being brought in. There, there's so much interest and attention. It, it needs to be on its own. You know, when that happens and, and who ends up overseeing it you know, remains to be seen. I've talked with, with coaches who have said, hey, we predicted all of this. We predicted what NIL was going to be. We predicted what the transfer portal was going to be, and we weren't listened to. And so ultimately, not surprisingly, they feel like you need football people in charge of the sport. And I agree with them to an extent that, that you do need people who are more connected to this sport and its issues and can listen to the coaches who can oversee it. And the sooner it happens, the better. Yeah, you know, honestly, man, this is kill your sacred cows. Here it is. What an off this season. Is just bring it all down, Luke. What an off season for college football. I mean, I know that this isn't like man. happening tomorrow, but if you think of all the stuff, n- none of it none of it is changed 2 weeks from now when ASU is playing NAU and West Virginia is playing Pitt and college football gets going on a Thursday night. But the the stuff that has changed, USC and maybe UCLA leaving yes. the Pac-12, even that's potentially changing now, uh, but but that's going to happen. Oklahoma and Texas, they're going to move. I know that was last year. They haven't moved yet, but all the stuff that is changing, but something like this would be huge if the NCAA wasn't running college football. What's so amazing about this as well is not only is this going to happen based on audience get used to it, but just the fact that they're actually sitting down. Now, suppose Supposedly in this meeting, um, this meeting of college football uh, powers that be, let's put it that way, and the college football playoff committee, supposedly they didn't talk about it for a long period of time. I have a hard time believing that, ladies and gentlemen, I do. I have a really hard time believing that that didn't dominate the conversation, but they said they only talked about it briefly. How do you bring that up and then talk about something else? <laughs> I do exactly. You're right on. This, I, I don't know. Maybe you've got an agenda. You've got points you got to get to. You've got to, we've got to talk about this. Maybe. Uh, okay. Look, but, I think, I imagine this is probably how it went, Wolf. Okay. You tell me <laughs> if, if I'm, if I'm wrong or right here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, up next, we're going to talk briefly about uh, completely radically changing the entire face of the sport. Uh, and then also let's move on to the pylon size in the end zone. Let's really focus on that. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine? What are you doing? Um, Can you go back really, one topic, please? You know, what's interesting about this? So this is the first time, this is the first time that they have acknowledged the fact that they've even breached the subject. <laughs> that to me. Now think about that, Luke. <laughs> Acknowledging the acknowledgement. Here it is right here. This is huge because it is the first known discussion among this group that actually has the authority to do something about it. That's why this is big news. How do you have any sort of insight in how quickly they could uh, execute an, an investigation of a program? Would it would it take? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right, they weren't talking about that. No, they I know, mean, but I mean, they, but if they're going to take over the sport, could they maybe do something that should take I don't know three months in less than ten years? Yeah, you know, no, they we're not going to talk about that. But again, there's going to be some schools that are going to be left out of this whole equation going forward. It really is. It's going to be a tough situation. That's why I say, kill your sacred cows right now. Get used to it. 
What do you think? Let's just let's look into the future here, okay? Let's go five years. Let's go. We're going into the 2027 season. How radically different do you think things look? I know to a certain extent it's impossible to even project yeah. with how quickly things seem to be moving now. Yeah, I think, let's see, what's a good number? Um, 68 teams, maybe, in this college football playoff system. 68 teams. That's maybe. exactly how many Power 5 schools there are, I believe. Uh, oh, God, there you go, right you, there. You throw Notre 34, Dame in. 34, yeah. 34 in one super conference. And 34 in another super conference so where one, they're broken down into divisions, of course. So one team gets left out because you know they're taking Notre Dame, too. That is exactly. Listen, that is not going to happen. Notre, I vote Dame, Notre Dame is not going to be independent. They're not going to be independent. They have a choice. They're not going to do this. Anyone who thinks Notre Dame, you, you, you're just wrong. Everyone said, oh, no, the Rose Bowl is always going to be tied to the Pac 10 in the Big 12. Or, I mean, wait a minute. Pac 12 in the Big 10? The Pac 12 in the Big 10. I said it backwards. You get my point, though. They said it was always going to be tied. Yeah, really? And uh, no, not so much. It's going to be part of the college football bowl system. That's right, the playoff. And now all of a sudden, kill your sacred cows. Those walls came down. When you hear them say it's tribal, college football by far and away is the most tribal entity when it comes to a sport of anything we've ever seen. And it's not even close. You want to talk about tribal, go down and talk to the people in the SEC. Go down and talk to the fans in the SEC. Tribal when it comes to this stuff. They're usually pretty reasonable about their teams. Yet here it is, man. They're going to tear it all down. They are. This is what is happening right now. It's not going to be the SEC anymore. It's not going to be the Big Ten. It won't be Notre Dame. Follow the money, brothers. Follow the money. It's going to be two super conferences that are split into divisions, populated by football programs that can afford to play ball with the big boys. Well, I want to stop you right there, because if the college football playoff is essentially taking over and running this, then what you just said, two super conferences populated by huge football programs not because when this yes. all started a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago it was like well maybe you would take this school because yeah you're going to give up a little bit in football but look how good their basketball program is exactly right that would go out the window gone not, <laughs> sorry Gonzaga not gonna <laughs> you're out that's not gonna happen there's gonna be a new bar Basinonians there's gonna be a new bar that is set and if you don't have the kind of cash or you don't have the kind of resources to satisfy that standard you're not gonna be part of the new college football super conference world you're just not they're going to draw the line. They're going to set a standard. You're either going to be able to afford this or you are not. And they're going to they're going to rig it where that standard somehow some way magically I think is right around 68 teams. You know what you said earlier too about a bowl like the Rose Bowl becoming part of the playoff essentially, which you know kind of is already in certain years now. Is that really that bad of a thing? It's still a big deal if your if your school is in the Rose Bowl. I mean, how many times now do you? So see here's this? what I'll say. Oh boy, I've been go. to the Rose Bowl oh twice. Boy. Oh boy, actually, I've been go. three times. All right. I've been twice for the legit Rose Bowl. Okay. And I've been once for a semifinal game. Uh, okay. And it holds the same tradition. I thought you still okay. have the Rose Parade. You still have everything. Yeah. But one just wasn't. 
a Big Ten school. And, and the players are more likely to play. I, you got me confused, Wolf. <laughs> yeah, the, the game is Swag. more likely to matter. It totally yeah. hosed us. Like, the game matters. As, like, as, the Rose Bowl is just a bowl game. Especially if you're pulling in even, like, smaller bowls. Because the Rose Bowl is one of the biggest bowl games. Yeah. But even if you, it, it, you know, however this ultimately looks, if you're going down to whatever the eighth biggest bowl is, I think that's a bigger deal if it's part of the college football playoff. I just think you're more likely for... I should say you're less likely that players are going to say, oh, yeah, my school's going to a bowl game, but I'm going to sit it out. Yeah. If you're actually playing for a playoff. And for the record, I've also been to a Rose Bowl for ASU. Oh, wow. Well, to the Rose Bowl to see ASU play UCLA in week four. It was just a week four game. Okay. I was going to say, I watched, you know, my Ducks beat Russell Wilson and the Wisconsin Badgers. Wow. And then I saw my Ducks absolutely (laughs) annihilate Jameis Winston in the semifinal game. Oh, you were at that game? Of course. <laughs> okay, that game was a, Okay, was, great. Was, uh, was Are you guys James done reminiscing? Are you done reminiscing? Well, we well let me know when your role. cupcake games are done. Um, we have Georgia week one. Oh, what do you mean? Cupcake pit? Are you, are you NAU? calling Larry Fitzgerald? Oh, okay. Some call NAU the Georgia of about? the Southwest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not catching on yet, but it will. Eventually. You know, it's coming, though. It is, ladies and gentlemen. Kill your sacred cows. College football is going to be changing forever. And, oh, by the way, the four teams in the college football playoff, <laughs> that's expanding to 16 quickly. All right, we come back. How crucial will the Cardinals joint practices against the Titans next week be? We'll discuss that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.